It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah. Welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. It's Friday. Oh, no, it's my Friday. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah this guy. This in, guy. It's a one foot in the parking lot Thursday for Jay. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know what? That's pretty much true. This guy. True. The day before vacation. It's hard just, to just stay focused. Just give me the clipboard and go now. I am going to try to stay focused for these two hours. I promise you. I promise you. Welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Um, first of all, Anthony's in the hot seat today. Mike Good morning, everybody. Was he went to get his teeth cleaned he or something? Left. Yeah, he just yeah. dipped. Yeah, they, he. So he had an appointment two weeks ago. Yeah, something like that, and they didn't clean his teeth. He, they said they had to schedule a second one for that. I don't know. I've sure they do. Like and another yeah. $75 office fee. Yeah, you got to come in, come in with that copay, too. Don't be playing around. That's interesting. Yeah, so he was here a second ago, and then he just dipped, said, I got to go, guys. So, yeah, Anthony, you ready? Uh, no. <laughs> I love the honesty. love the confidence. Love the confidence. No, no, we got uh, speaking of confidence, that's where we're going to start today's show. I don't know who came up with this. Was it you or Mikey? Who this was Mike. This, this was, was Mike's idea. Okay. And I got to be honest with you guys. This is not my best graphical work. I feel like if I would have spent more than fifteen minutes on it, it would have been better. <laughs> you raced through it. Is that I, is that what you're telling it us? Was, it was this morning thing that I kind of just whipped together. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel better, you spent thirteen more minutes than I did in answering the questions. <laughs> and All fourteen right, so more minutes than I, I did. Feel no pressure whatsoever. Um, just so our audience knows, because Anthony, um, we, we we tend to pick on Anthony more yeah. than anything. Yeah. I don't know why. That but is. it's because we. Yeah. Love him, yeah, and true. it's because he's he's okay with it. Yeah, he, I, right. I hate to say he's an easy target, but what what this guy has done when he came to us, we said, "Do you have any graphic experience?" No, no. You ever pay attention to graphics on TV? No. Not really. Every graphic you see on this show, I think just about everyone. Mike, Mike McNuggets makes some, but you, you're the the workhorse all, all on the, the graphic. All the stat ones are a combination. All the creative ones, they just go, can you do this? And I'm like, uh, sure. Yeah. Well, he's re- you've really owned it. So, Austin Hedges, uh, Moonlighting as our as our graphic artist. And uh, what so, is our confidence meter that Anthony will get to do a good job today? I'm on, uh, I'm a solid nine. Uh, I'm at a solid Jason? red. I'm 11 and One. a quarter. <laughs> G? Red. What? <laughs> oh, Talk about one foot in the parking lot yeah, Thursday. Right? <laughs> Play the music and let's start What's the show. What's meter that Anthony's going to do a good job today? Oh, you're doing that? Uh, yeah, uh, about that. About that money. Uh, yeah, no, by the way, I, I think he's going to do a good job. Nine. Okay, nine. Yeah, nine? Yeah, come on. Nine, that's what I got. way too I'm, high. I, mean, I got a five. I mean, he's got to prove it. I mean, <laughs> he's got to prove it. I mean, he's got to prove a deal here, Anthony. I mean, he's been doing graphics for how long, bro? Like, he been, But it's not graphics. Seven now he's in Mike's chair. We were that's just big. talking about that. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm You and I are the only ones not <laughs> so in the parking lot So stay up with right the now. conversation. <laughs> okay. Listen, so what else are we talking about? We're on Thursday. Jay's on Friday. G's on Saturday. Nobody knows. 
If you want to know what we're talking about all the time, make sure you subscribe <laughs> yes. to the Ultimate Cleveland there Sports Show. That's dope. We ain't even, we're not even 20 minutes in. We're you almost guys. we're at almost 17,000 subscriptions. Not a lot um, of people at, with YouTube channels have 17,000 subscriptions. Not we do. Have we hit three or million? Hit the bell. Real close, close to three million total Just views. Just about three million. Oh, Very no, no, close. No, no, no. I'm sure today's show is going to put it over the top. Oh, That's so right. I have an analytics. <laughs> no question. You, you guys are over three million views. Uh, the, the YouTube is, is sometimes slow. Every time you say analytics, these two fight. Yeah, yeah. Please don't <laughs> That's use that not word. the catch word. Just don't even use We have an word. analytic discussion <laughs> ban. I, I was texting Mike during Monday's show. The Browns did not lose because of analytics. Why are we talking the about Browns analytics? Lost while you two, while the Walter Matthau and the other one over here, <laughs> just are barking back and that's forth dope. at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good you. one, Anthony. I was, uh, that's a good one. I was literally texting Mike during the show Monday yeah. because. I mean, whatever. We're talking about analytics for 15 yeah. minutes. We, we, yeah, after the show yesterday, we decided enough of that. That's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. And we, yeah let's our talk about we used our analytics to tell us. That let's that's let's talk about discussion. the reason the Browns are losing. Their defense. They suck. Yeah. No, you know what? The reason they're losing is because the whole team has been a disaster. That's it's, really it, why. Yeah. yeah. It's been, well, it's yeah. been a whole With the exception the of Nick Chubb. Yeah. I, I think everybody has been a disaster. Absolutely. It's and, totally and it's, fair. There's not a lot of guys that you, you know, that you could say have done their job or have overachieved. There have been a ton of times. The offensive line, we should mention. Has well, carried their well, weight at times. Well, I think Donovan Peoples Jones has been okay. He's been I okay. actually, again, I actually think almost everybody on offense has done what we've expected or better. Almost everybody, if not everybody. I wanted more from Amari Cooper at this I think, point. I, I think I on defense, everybody is, has done below what we yes. expected. There have yeah, been times where except for maybe Martin Emerson. There have been games the defense has completely let them down. There's yeah. been games the special teams has let them down. Ooh, There's been yeah. times Kevin Stefanski's let them down. There's been times Jacoby Brissett's There's let them down. There's plenty of blame. There's plenty of blame to go around. Yeah. And, and that much is. we're certain of. Okay, so the confidence meter, here's how this is going to work. Anthony's going to tell us what the subject is. We're all going to give our answers and then mm. discuss. You ready to go, These were hard. Yeah, so our first one here, we asked you guys, will Nick Chubb get 20 touches versus Cincinnati? And I have the numbers here because I don't have them on the graphics. So, Jay, you said 6 out of 10. G had 4 out of 10. Jason had 2 out of 10. And Bull had 3 out of 10. Wow, I was high on this. That's yeah. surprising. Mm. I mean, he doesn't get 20, so I don't know why suddenly he's going to. I, no. I, he, he doesn't get it often. Also, my thought was that the Bengals have been playing well. Their offense is playing well. If the Bengals are up big in this game, they're going to have to throw it. They're going to have to throw the ball. Right. That was my fear for going six. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm not optimistic. I'm hopeful. Yeah. And I think that when Aditi was on the show earlier this week, and she's going to be on today's show coming up later, so will Maurice Claret, so will Robert Smith. When Aditi, the voice of calm and reason, who draws a paycheck from the Browns, mm -hmm. came on the show and very calmly Rats. said, I don't get it. I don't get why Kevin Stefanski isn't using him more. It's uh, the first rule of the NFL is know who you are. Mm -hmm. And this team is a run team. How in the world have they avoided using their nuclear weapon more than they've used him? So if Aditi's figured it out and she's that calm, and I have to think that that is the conversation at the offices this week. If for no other reason... The media is all over it. And by the way, it's not just the local media. I've seen national media, uh, national shows discuss, what are the Browns doing with Nick Chubb? So I think eventually that voice is going to be so loud that he can't ignore it. And he's going he's gonna to get 20 carries this week. Again, hopeful, 
Yeah. Not optimistic. You, but it, you, I, I, go ahead, Bull. You know, I was going to say, I just think game script is probably not going to end up that way. But go ahead. Because think, they're going to be behind yes. big. Yeah. He, they're going to have they're going to have a little more trouble than than I thought they would incorporating Deshaun Watson. And I think that's one of the bigger themes that you, that you'll start to look at. Why? As it go, be, well, because, and now that I'm looking looking at it, and I'm thinking back. This has been in the making a long time. Like he didn't know Jacoby Brissett was not taking the first team reps. He was not. He was not using him. He didn't play in the preseason, so he didn't have any of those reps to figure out what he does and how he would like the game plan around that. Deshaun Watson hasn't played in two years, right? So when Deshaun Watson comes back in, we know what he like what he has as far as his skill set. But if we don't understand what the mix is now with Nick Chubb. How will we how will we understand what the mix is when Deshaun Watson you know, comes? That's an interesting and, point. And, and especially because he has a better skill set. So now you're gonna have to figure out if you haven't figured out in 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 a way to say, in these areas, these are definitely Nick Chubb touches. I love the fact that he can do this, this, and that. But when you throw in a wild card like Deshaun Watson, who can do RPOs, he they don't run that now. Who can run read option? They don't do any of that now. Who can get in a pistol? They don't do any of that now. All of these things are things that so I have to figure it out. Figure all it out again. all over again. It's a brand new that offense. That might be what the last six games of the season are. Brand for new offense. It doesn't look like it'll be for a playoff change. Yeah, it, it just it's going to be more difficult than meets the eye because there's but a lot. Last six games, let's face it, are to essentially. I don't know. People don't want to hear it, but the reality is. The last six games are probably just to get ready for next year. It feels like it. That's yeah. what it is. Jay, do you agree with that? I've thought that all along. Yeah, you did. So we've, we've more or less said that all. And to your point, G, I wrote about this when the trade first went down. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Part, I mean, listen, $230 million guaranteed, let's be honest. That had a lot to do with why Deshaun came here, right? Mm-hmm. But he was going to get paid no matter where he went. So I, I do think people overblow that a little bit. I believe one of the big reasons, and this is also why I think Kevin is not in any trouble right now. One of the big reasons Deshaun came here is because Kevin sat with Deshaun for 45 minutes in Rusty Harden's office, Mm -hmm. and they chopped it up over film and X's and O's, and Kevin showed him, this is what you did in Houston. This is how we did it. This is how we can use you. And that was a huge selling point in Deshaun coming here. Yes, the 230 was as well. Of course. But the fact that. Kevin showed him, this is how we're going to use you. This is how we're going to deploy you. And it's all those things you just talked about. And they're not going to blow, blow that up no. before they get to see well, it. And that's no. what I'm saying. Like, if Kevin was one of the big reasons that was a, was a draw for Deshaun to come here, why would you get rid of this guy before sure. you even see what you yeah. have? You can't. It's just, it's it's just, just it's he's, nonsense. He's a major part. I, I, he even went through some cut-ups where he thought he could do better in certain areas. Yes. And he loved that. He said, I love being coached hard. Yeah. I love his offensive scheme. That's why in the offensive line, the playmakers, that's why I came. So that's a huge part. There was, There's no way that all of a sudden now you would just switch and get rid of him. That's not that's half the reason he came. No. All right. Fans get emotional and say, well, we got to fire. You know, that's what we do in Cleveland. You got to fire the coach. Oh, hell, I, yeah. if they lose again, I'll get emotional. <laughs> yeah. You've already gotten emotional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, number two. 
Yeah, so number two, we actually asked along those lines. The entire Browns coaching staff remains the same after the bye week. So, Jay, you said four. G said eight. Jason said six. And Bull had nine. I like the graphic, by the way. I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm just confused on our answers on what we all said. So, the question the, was, what's your confidence that the staff will remain intact, right? Yeah. After the bye. Yeah. Green, I don't and I, I know I said four, and you said nine. I think you I were, said five. So, right Jay, you think it's most likely not to stay intact. Yes. I don't see how it can. By the way, that picture of you looks fun. Your arms look super long. Yeah, I have, long, I have very long <laughs> limbs. Um, but, and that really, com- that really comes home in that picture. <laughs> I think they actually made my hands bigger in yes, that shot. It's funny. Uh, so you think the coach, you think Joe Woods is going to get fired? No, I think it's going to be Prefer. Prefer. Oh, Prefer. I really do. I, I've um, been looking, particularly at special teams, since, since the Jets game. And right. because I, I always thought, well, we don't have to worry about special teams because we've been told that Prefer's so good. Yeah. But I've really been paying close attention to all of the plays, our punt coverage. Our, when we're punting, when we're returning punts, kickoffs, everything, we're not good. I can't, I can't, other than the fact that our rookie kicker, who's missed a kick that would have won a game, missed another one at 61 yards or whatever it was, 60 that was blocked, I think he's been the bright spot of our special teams. He's only, he's missed the three, one was blocked. But I think he's done what, what I expected him to do. Anyhow, I expected him to miss. I expect him to miss some more. But outside of that, and I know that a lot of it has to do with the fact that we signed returners and he got hurt. And, you know, we can't seem to fill that that void. I just don't think Prefer's here after after the bye week. I, I'm really high. You, you're at I nine. I'm the highest. I'm at eight. This organization has shown you. Well, I shouldn't say that. This organization hasn't shown you anything. This current regime <clears throat> has shown you that they don't do things emotionally. Yeah, they're, they're more right. patient than Now, past. Jimmy does, so that's the possibility here. Jimmy may force some, a move. Jimmy is an emotional eater, if you will. Uh, but Dee Podesta's not, and Barry's not, and Stefanski's not. No. I think there will be changes made. I think Joe Woods and Prefer will both be out, but I don't think either is going to happen until the end of the year. Okay. That's my, yeah. my take on it. I think it would take another special teams calamity Monday night, which is always possible, right? Right, like, We've sure. seen plenty of them already. But I tend to side with Bull. I just don't think that they're going to react emotionally. And I don't know. I, I hear what Brad says, and I agree with what he says. Sometimes you just got to cut a head off just to cut a head off just right. to get their attention. But I don't know what changing a coordinator at this stage of the season, I don't know what that accomplishes. Other than sending a message. Right. Yes. And maybe that's good enough. Yep. Yeah. And right. I, I, I think it would be a sacrificial lamb. I, you know, I do think that – I remember meeting Prefer when we were – I was doing the preseason games, and he came in and one of the – Preseason planning sessions. Very, very smart, well-spoken yes. guy. Yes. Um, he's from Cleveland. I, I remember thinking I left that meeting saying, "God, I'm rooting for that guy." He ran the Thursday and then night he game. He was the one that got the head coaching gig yep. on the Thursday night game and yep. did fine. Yeah. He, he won the playoff game. Yeah. Like he, he he went and won the playoff game in Pittsburgh when Stefanski was chilling when he was sick. So. I, I, you know, I mean, I'd be, I'd, I'd be upset after the games. You know, when he asks these questions, you, you still have to dig down and look at it. It's not about what I would do. It's about what I think they would do and will do. If you look at the special teams, the first thing they're going to say is, is they'll have an evaluation. They'll sit down and say, okay, what, what do we want to start with? Well, when Jakeem Grant got hurt, that killed the return game. They'll say, we got a rookie kicker. We already knew that there was going to be some issues mm-hmm. with the rookie kicker. Okay, we have that. And then also, 
you also have to take a look at some of the stuff is uh, okay. We didn't return. We didn't recover on sidekick. Okay, there hasn't been any. He hasn't given up a punt return for a touchdown, a kickoff words or a return for a touchdown. So there's a lot of different things that you could say. Well, we got younger players. And they the, did, but they did another onside kick that we needed to recover that we, we got, recovered. But he was out of bounds. The player was out of yeah. bounds. So those. So and they blew another onside. They did kick blow another onside. They just kick got lucky. That they got lucky and recovered. Yes. And they made the same mistake that they made they the week did. earlier. And I, I think. Listen, I agree with you guys. I, I if I'm going to fire anybody, it's prefer even before Joe Woods. At least over three years, Joe Woods has had some good moments. Yeah. The defense played well for most of last but boy, year. Boy, he's been too Jekyll and Hyde. Agreed. You want consistency. A hundred percent agree, and I would move on from him eventually uh, by the end of the year, the latest. But Prefer has n- what does he have? I maybe this is not fair. You guys tell me if you think I'm being unfair. I don't even give him credit for Cade York. I'm like Cade York. Like what is he? Or, you know, or, or that's another thing. Like if- I look at the young punter they had in the in the in the uh, Scottish Hammer. That's a guy who needed coaching, right? Because he didn't. He was new to football. Sure. And I thought he regressed as a player. Well, he needed to stay out of the bars. Okay, that's yeah, too. I've that's heard that. I've that's heard that as well. But the and that's on him. That's and by the way, he's, he's in the NFL still. Yeah, that's with true. The special teams have been a disaster for the entire time he's been here. The defense now, the defense is where I would go and look at. But I just got to look at the way the regime thinks about stuff, right? If they go in, and, and if I'm Joe Woods, I could go in and say, "Look, I needed better defensive tackles. This is what I was given." I, hey, you said I got everyone. Everyone, we got everybody back. That's not necessarily true. The defensive tackle, Malik, them two Maliks in inside yeah. were light years better than what they got now. Well, but you know what I would say to him? I would say, Bill Callahan got a center who was a bust in Seattle. No, that's very and true. Turned him into one of the better a guy having a good year. That's what, that's a rebuttal, right? I, think, I mean, I think he does. I think he does eventually get let go, but. One at thing, the end of the year. At the end of the year. If there's anybody going to sit at the end of the year, not during the middle of the season, because I think they want an evaluation for everything. Because yes. they, you do have to see how do players play for you when you're out of it. Are you going to play hard that's or are they right. going to give that's up? Great question. And that's on that. And I would say, that's guys, on. I would say, guys, one thing here. I think it's important that the Browns replace Joe Woods with a veteran proven defensive coordinator Mike Zimmer that's the name right because look at what the Rams did with Sean McVay right they brought in Wade Phillips and that's when they were at their best and you know I I think these young offensive coaches that are so focused on the offense if they're going to continue to do that Kevin Savancy is going to call the plays and be Mr. Offensive guy well he's got to get a defensive coach that's a head coach, like head coach type that's of guy. That's almost the blueprint in the league now. These, these coaches, right. the, the, way, the hires are all young, offensive-minded, right. for the most part, unproven. Right. And I think the way you counter that is you need a genius type on the other side that's, that's right. going to stand up and stop that. That's right. Wink Martindale, when you see – now, I know Baltimore's lost some pieces too, but I just – I used to be afraid to play Baltimore. I yeah. used to say, oh, yeah. Wink's going to come up with right. something. Right. And that, and the reason they're where they are now is because Wink isn't there anymore. Well, look and look where he is now. And look what they're doing. Exactly. So The I, Bengals have lucked into a guy that I knew nothing about. Their DC, Lou Anarumo. Yeah, he's, he's done a magnificent job. Has. You look at the Bengals' defense, they don't have stars. They don't have stars. No. Who's a star on the Bengals' Less, defense? Guys they like, got a bunch of good, solid players. We talked about this. You've, you've complained about this. 
I think it was you, it might have been G, but I think it was you that said the Browns have like a studs and duds type yep. of defense. Yeah, I think they do. The yeah. Bengals don't have that. And I'm fine They've with that. I'd rather be that way. Middle. I'd rather be that way. And it's and he deploys them. And, and there was no better example than last year in the AFC Championship game when he <clears> changed the entire defense in the second half against the Chiefs, and Mahomes didn't know what the hell to do. No, yeah. he didn't. And yeah. uh, nor did Andy Reid. That's right. Which and is which was the most stunning thing about that game to exactly. me. I kept thinking, well, Andy's going to eventually figure it out. Couldn't. And he didn't know what and was going on. And that's how big a difference a defensive and, coordinator and can make. They made it to the Super Bowl because right. of that move. And Mike Zimmer, I, I don't know if he still wants to be a DC at this point, but Mike Zimmer as a defensive coordinator, I, I know his defense in Minnesota struggled at the end when he was the head coach. I'm going to get him today. But he is a DC, wherever he's been as a DC, that team has been good. Yeah, yeah. no question. I, I, one more point I want to make on, the, on Prefer before we mm-hmm. move on. I don't understand why the Ravens spend more money than any team in the league I know on they special do. teams. They invest more. They don't have just a special teams coach. They have like a kicking instructor right. for Justin Tucker. Should have that. Why yeah. don't more teams? I, I've never, I was talking to Phil Dawson about that a year or two ago, and Phil was the one that kind of turned yeah. me on to this about how much Baltimore invests in special teams. I mean, their coach was a special teams coach. Right. right. And now they have the best in the league, and it's not even close. Well, let's hire Phil Dawson as our kicking coach. And bring them in. Like, yeah. why not? Like, who that better? Really who knows? How do you not have better? a specific yeah. kicking and, coach? And, and when you really break it down, like, what are we talking financially? Nothing. And it it's, doesn't work against the cap. It's For a pro- multi-billion dollar operation, I don't, it is insane. I don't, I don't know this, but I'm guessing Phil probably doesn't want to do it. He's in Texas well, and he's retired. And sure, why but he could find somebody. Someone like him, <laughs> yeah. Bill, would be the ideal guy, right. obviously. You know what's but, interesting? I was talking to Cade a week or so ago just about the swirling winds and everything. And he said, like, the third quarter, the first quarter, it's completely different. That's amazing. And man. I said, can you, are you like, you got weatherman in you? Can you tell, all right, it's eight miles an hour out of the Southwest? It's like, no, I just look at the flag. That's it. And that's it. And that's it. And you got one shot. Like, you don't yeah. get a practice swing or yeah. nothing. And because it's a swirling wind, it's just like when you play golf. Whenever you for golfers that have played in conditions that where it is a swirling wind, and you can, you know what a swirling wind feels like. When you hit the ball, you might st- set up to go left yeah, edge and, of the fairway thinking that it's going to be a crosswind and it's going to push it to the right edge of the fairway. Right. And I've had a million swings, particularly here. I don't know why it's more difficult here. Maybe it's because of the proximity of the lake. Uh, in my backswing, I can feel, oh, no, the wind's at my face now. Yeah. And, and, and before right. I started moving my club, it was clearly at my back. And now you just go through with it and you hope and you see the ball and you watch it all of a sudden too late. Yeah. go to the left and you're yeah. already aiming left. Yeah. So it can make kickers look yeah. really, it really bad. It's, it's interesting it's, that you brought it up. It is insane that these that every team doesn't I, have a specific kicking there's coach. T- there's two yeah. things. The kicking coach, and I don't understand why they don't have a, a clock situation guy who he just calls the play okay. based on what's going on. Like, the coach shouldn't even call it. Like, if it's, like, fourth and one or it's 30 seconds or when should you call timeouts with two minutes left in the game, the coach shouldn't even run it. There should be a guy that, that works on these scenarios the whole week, and he just calls it in. You're yeah, like, there's okay. so much money. You can afford to have anything you want. Really. Yeah, you would think, especially when, it, with the Browns, yeah. three points has been the difference in four of their losses. Yeah. yeah. Three right. points. And go across so the NFL. So we can point to any number of plays, one single play in all four of those games, mm-hmm. and in fact, probably five plays individually on their own. Yeah. And they're not two and five, they're six and one. And it's just amazing yeah. to me that the devil is in the details. Absolutely. And Baltimore knows that more than any franchise Absolutely. in the league. Majority of NFL games are close. It's the little things, it's the one play, it's some of it's luck. Yes. A lot of yeah. it is luck. Anthony. All right, so for our last one here today, 
What are your guys' confidence level that the Browns can beat the Bengals for the fifth time in a row on Halloween night, Monday night? Yeah. Jay and G are both at a two. Wow. <laughs> uh, Jason is at a five, and he's our highest, and Bull was at a four. Go ahead. Explain Jason, why you, why you're a five. I can't believe I'm the highest at five. I'm, like, right in the middle. Like, yeah, yeah, right. I don't have a – 50 is an F. Normally <laughs> – It is an F. Normally, I got a pretty good feeling one way or the other. I have no idea what to, what to make of Monday night. I have no idea what to expect. That's kind of the NFL right now. Right? Like, All you have to do is just think about Tampa and Carolina, and you're like, I don't know anything well, about the league. Yeah, and the, the Bears just beat The Bears right pounded, know, pounded them. And, and again, like I said before, I thought they'd be two and two, but they didn't. The wins and losses were different than what I thought they'd yeah. be. I thought they would. I actually thought that they would beat Sandy. Or I keep calling them San Diego. The Chargers. Yeah. I really thought they were going to win that game. They probably should have won that game. Should've. And now I'm to the point where like, man, I just can't believe this team would be two and six. But it's hard for me to see a path to winning. But I can't believe they're going to be two and six. I like, there's either. more talent to be two and six. So, but, that's why but, I'm but just right in the middle. You're five. looking at the macro. Yeah. I'm just looking at this matchup. Right, and yeah. Cincinnati has figured they're, it they're out. We it had together. a graphic yesterday that showed what Joe Burrow's touchdown and interception numbers were. I don't know if you can find Since it, Ant. Three, but, yeah. But his numbers through the first two games, yeah. or three games, and then his numbers over the last four. So over his last four, he's got 12 touchdowns and one pitch. <laughs> and through the first three... They were like, that's not the one. It was the one that had his touchdown and interception numbers. So for the first three games, if my memory's right, I think it was, it was the first two. It, okay, it was like three it touchdowns, was the first two, and then but four should, interceptions. Yeah. And then yeah. it was 12 touchdowns, one in. He's figured it out. Yeah. Whatever it was, whatever adjustment the league made to the Bengals winning the Super, or winning the AFC last year, yeah. I think that they've done what coaches do. They've looked at the film. They said, oh, okay, we yeah. see what they're doing now. This is what we're going to do to counter it. it. Sports is all about adjustments. And I don't yeah. have confidence that the Browns are going to make the successful adjustments. Those are his to total stop stats. Those are his season. totals. Yeah. There, we had a, so we there had was a one that broke that, down his yeah. first two games and his last five games. Yeah. And I think the numbers mm. were 12 to 1 touchdowns to picks and four and or three touchdowns, four picks right, right, through right. the first two games. Yeah. So I just I, I yeah. have I mean, very low confidence. Everything on paper points to the Bengals winning, but as we all know and as we all talked about, you never know. Which and, is why I went to a two. And they're at home. Right. They're at Browns are at home. It's a Monday night. I Maybe know. the team is fired up after what happened in the locker room after the game. I agree. There's always I always have that feeling of like this team shouldn't be two and six, so I expect them to win. Right. And the Browns have for whatever reason, have had the Bengals number the last couple of Jay, years. Jay, have you heard anything more on what transpired in the Browns locker room? No, I've got some names, but not confirmed to the point so to, to share. But defensive guys. Would it be the ones that we might think probably. of? Probably. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yelling at each other, essentially, at other defensive players? No, just names that were involved in the in the shouting. Right, and, right. And, and so I, um, I'm okay with that. I, I want that. Because if nobody's shouting at anybody – then nobody cares. Right. The, yeah. it's these, almost guys like, are, these guys are hurting. They're hurting. It's almost like, a, well, it's about time. Yes. I, why like, did it take seven weeks? It's a good – this is kind of a good thing. I, we've been waiting for it really since the Jets game. I was yeah. hoping someone would have stood up and said, what did we just do? Yeah. We just made long. NFL history in the worst possible way. And by the way, whatever number of games it was that had go- happened between a team blowing a 14-point lead under two minutes to go – 
I don't. It will be that many more games before we see it again. Well, yeah. and the team who did it before that was the Browns. Was also. The Browns. Of course they were. Yeah. Yeah. These guys are just young. They're very young. Like uh, the, the the defense. When I started seeing like okay, Grant Delpit, you know John Johnson, you know these guys, they're young, and so. But but Garrett Miles Garrett isn't. No, well, and here's why that's not an excuse, and I know it's a different sport. No, we I know got a young going. basketball team. Yeah. We got a young baseball, baseball team. Yeah. They don't do any of that nonsense. Well, here's what I'm saying. Because they have leaders. Here, here's what I'm saying. That's right. When, when you young, there's a there's a propensity for you to act like everything is chill, everything's good. It's right. a false sense of security. Oh, we still good. True. We that's still true. we just got to fix this. We good. And there, there needs to be a veteran that, that comes around and says, oh, no, I've been around teams that look just like you. Matter of fact, we used to pound guys like you. And, and, and when I look at the defense, there's just not no – these guys are not the vocal leader. Like, there's no guy that I look at and say, oh, he's the captain. Yeah. No, it seems it's like just, there's no sense of urgency. It's guys, it's just some guys and just it, playing defense. That's it. Aditi it feels said, like they all read their press clippings coming into the season. Maybe, and they're like, "We got it." But you know what? They provided the press clippings. Yep. That's a lot true. of them told us they were going to be the top ranked. That's defense. true. And now they got to play Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and they mad. They told y'all they was coming for that smoke for y'all. That's the matchup. I can't you. wait. I can't they not wait to see you. how that goes. And you know, by the way, Joe yeah. Burrow's never beaten the Browns. Correct. And we know that that's that's a sticking point. Sure. My fear is this one goes sideways fast. <laughs> if it if it does if it's twenty one nothing like it was last week for the Bengals yeah. before you, you blinked and it was twenty one nothing. Yeah. If they do that again, this team we we've seen it. They're not built to come no. built to come no, back no, from no. one score no, deficits. No, if they fall down three, Nick Chubb can go take a shower. Right. And then it's going to be. How many passes is Jacoby Brissett going to throw right. to the wrong plus team? The, plus, that's when the defense knows he's throwing. And that's, and when, that's when it gets most hard to throw. But, by the way, you know, it's funny. We brought up, we, we, we've often said on the show, if they had Deshaun Watson, their record would be 5-2, and 6-1, and one, whatever right. you think, right? What we haven't said once was, and I think the same thing, if this defense was playing like we all thought they would play, they'd probably be 5-2, and 6-1 and one right yep. now. I agree. With, for all the complaints about... Nick Chubb usage or Brissett throwing, Stefanski play calling. That would all be out the window had the defense been playing as we expected. They only had losses by nine points, and the defense is one of the worst in the NFL. All they had to be is average. All they had to be is average. 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 We thought they'd be great. We would have settled for average. They've been awful. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I know we're waiting for Maurice to come on at 1130. Before we do that, I really wanted to ask this question because I think this is going to have a lot to do with what happens on, on Monday. Injuries are definitely a concern for this game. And Joku, we know, is going to be out. Mm -hmm. Phillips, we know, is going to be out. Ward and Teller, who would be most beneficial to have on Monday night? Ward. It's got to be Ward. I agree. I think Ward. 100%. In this game, they need need old Denzel Ward. They don't need this year's Denzel Ward. Because if, if Chase ends up going nuts, like I'm afraid he will, it's going to be a huge deficit that they can't dig out of. Plus, the Bengals have the best trio of receivers in the league. I would so buy that. So you need all hands on deck. Yeah, at everybody. You can't because T. Higgins is the number one receiver on half the teams in the league. Tyler Boyd, who's their third receiver, is a number two receiver <laughs> on ninety percent of the teams in the league. Yeah. So when your third receiver could be a thousand yard receiver, is that kind of talent? Yeah. You've got to have all hands on deck in the second. Although half. I will say, the the Ravens got 
uh, there was the, the, the Ravens defense was coming right up the middle on the Browns, and you mm. you, you haven't seen that very often. Mm -hmm. I think Postage was kind of helping the teller void. I, I, and I, I just saw a couple plays where it seemed like he was trying to double yeah. right and help the new right guard. And I think it left leaks in the middle and yeah. you saw, mm -hmm. but you the, saw the Ravens take part of the reason I said uh, cornerbacks also is that the Bengals best defensive tackle is not playing in the game. DJ readers out. He's their best tackle. Their, their tackles, their number, their, their current best tackle is a guy named BJ Hill. Who's solid, mm -hmm. but he's not spectacular. I just don't. I don't know what happened to Denzel Ward. I, I just don't. I don't it's either. Baffling. It's a mystery. <laughs> I, I know what happened. Mystery. He got the money. I, I don't. Well, it looks like it. He got paid. Surface, That's it how it looks like yeah. it. I wanted to. I wanted to say he was the most important, but I'm sitting here thinking about his performance. I'm like, man, I'd rather have Emerson on sometimes because he don't know. He, he at least he play hard and physical. He a big corner. I ain't seen him get beat. Even he got beat a little bit the last game, right against the Ravens, right? I'll Not take, so much beat. I thought it was his technique. Technique, right? If I can, if you, at least if you in the play, I can coach you up. Sometimes Denzel Ward, I'm like, yeah, wrong why, quadrant. Why are you that far off of him? Is that he's the, been the biggest disappointment on the entire? Roster, I hope, I, think. I hope it's not because he got paid. Uh, I, I, I really, because I then I, I completely swung and missed on his character. Because before you give a guy that kind of deal, which makes him at the time the highest paid cornerback in the league, defensive back in the league. It, before you do that, you're not just judging his skill set. You're right. judging his character. Right. And is, none of us question that. Is he worthy of a long-term investment? And if he, right. if the Browns missed, I, I missed too because I thought none he of us, was. We all none missed. of us would have thought that. that was going to be. Let's an bring issue. in Maurice Claret. Maurice, one of the things that we talked about in the first 30 minutes of the show is our confidence uh, level, where it is on whether or not the Browns can beat the Bengals Monday night. Uh, G and I were low men on the totem pole. Uh, we have a two. On one to ten, on the confidence meter, where are you that the Browns will beat the Bengals Monday night? Yeah, I think I might be in line with y'all with the two. <laughs> <laughs> two games. I was hoping you would cheer us up, Maurice. I can't believe I'm the confident one no. at five. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. So why are you at two? I mean, I think the same reason everybody else is at two. Uh, just not looking good for my boys, man. Uh, I, I looked up. I, well, I was following the news when they um, on Twitter they had Kareem Hunt trending, trending about you know being traded, and I was just kind of like looking at old articles. And I've been in the hospital with my lady all month, so I had a chance to catch up on old articles and guess what's going on in the NFL. And man, the Browns have been looking bad for quite some time, and it's only so much hope you can have before you start to get the realization like, man, you know, uh, something has to change relatively fast in order for the season to turn around. We talked perhaps about a coaching change. At the bye, that's when teams tended to not not, not not a head yeah. coaching, just a coach on the staff, you know, a coordinator, somebody. Mm -hmm. Just Brad always says on the show, you got to lop someone's head off to get the other guy's attention in the room. Do you buy that? That there needs to be a sacrificial lamb for everybody to kind of look around and say, oh, it's it's getting real. Yeah, I mean, just it's just a change of pace, you know. Um, and believe it or not, um, he, he's right. Uh, that you have to give somebody else who may be better at using the pieces that you have. Like, I can't even believe that we're sitting here talking about uh, trading Kareem Hunt when you had these two powerhouses at the top of the season. And, you know, you, you had to learn how to distribute the ball. You, somebody should have learned how to distribute the ball a little bit better and get these guys uh, more acclimated. You, you have all offseason to do that. You know what I mean? 
And so uh, if it was me, I would I would look to make a change and look to move. You, you have to keep the fan base interested. You know what I mean? You have to keep the franchise viable to bring other uh, other players in and say, hey, you know, these guys may have a chance. But when you're tanking and it becomes a cleaving of old and then you've moved on from, oh, it used to be Baker and then it's, you know, it's this situation now, uh, it's just it's just more of the same, just more uh, – I don't know, Just it, it's just back to loserville, if I can say it lightly. Boy, that's what it feels like. It really does. Maurice, yeah. uh, do you know Joe Barrow at all? It's the, the irony, uh, I went to a football camp maybe like six or seven years ago, probably longer than that now. You know, you get a little older and uh, time tends to blur. Tell me right? about it. And, uh, yeah, he was in high school, and I went down to a, a football camp in Athens, and I was like, yeah, it's this kid, Joe Burroughs. And I didn't know his name at the time, but I took a picture with him. And it's on my Instagram from, you know, a, a while back. And I couldn't believe it was the same kid who I grew up in had become what he is now. But uh, I, I know of him, and we took a picture with each other. Uh, but I don't know him personally, but uh, I'm, I'm happy for the young guy. There's something about, like, there's certain players in the NFL, and, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not, I don't mean to compare him to Tom Brady, but I've heard a lot of people say he's got that 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 intangible, I don't even know what it is. I feel like as a, a, a former great player yourself, you might know. What is that thing he has that some of the special guys have, like that, that intangible? Uh, yeah, it's clear. Yeah. No, it's the understanding of the game. So you can look at his, uh, his time at Ohio State in, in a few different ways, right? And so I looked at it as like he had time to develop around um, like very great players. You had a chance to go out and practice versus number one defensive backs and linebackers and defensive tackles the whole time. You were coached very well. uh, And you had a chance just to prepare without so much uh, scrutiny. You know, there's a lot of guys who they have the potential to do a lot. But, you know, throughout their journey, they'll get criticized a lot. Then you start second guessing yourself. But when he was here at Ohio State, you know, he just had guys who fit better within these schemes. So that's why he went down to um, uh, LSU and he had a bunch of success immediately because he was a little bit older, you know, in comparison to, to the other kids who were around. And I just think that once you get all those reps, like, you know, I, I'm a huge, if you ever hear me talk to anybody about collegiate sports in general, the only way you get better is reps. And if you're if you're repping on the scout team, if you're repping just in the off season, whatever it is, I just think that Joe Burrow's, like, if, you, if you set him down and he was at the end of his career, they say, man, what really happened? I think he'll say, man, I just had a huge amount of reps against uh, quality people at Ohio State when I was there. Wow. And that transferred down to uh, LSU. And then, obviously, when he went on with the Bengals, you know, once you play at SEC, once you play at Ohio State, then you go to the SEC and dominate, you're basically playing the same kids, you know, once you go to the NFL. Not kids, but the same people, you know, to some degree. I had a, a, a former NFL quarterback make this analogy, and I, I want to get your thoughts on it and see if you think this has anything to do with Burrow's success. He told me that he, he started by talking about computers and the size of the processor in the computer. He said, you can have mm-hmm. the best-looking computer in the world. It can be you know, solid gold and shiny, and it looks beautiful. But if you put the wrong processor in it, the wrong chip, it's going to perform slowly. So it looks beautiful, but it performs slowly. Then this quarterback gave me the analogy, and it was oddly enough, he used Bernie Kosar. He said, or you can have a broken down exterior of a computer that you would look at and say, well, I don't want to use that computer. That thing is, it's got no power. It's not going to do anything. But you put this high-speed processing chip inside of it, and he said that's what Bernie Kosar was. Bernie Kosar at at you know at his pro days and at the, at the NFL Combine, 
guys were looking at, you know, he didn't have that. He came out in the supplemental draft. and But back then, everybody was assessing his skill set. And they said, yeah, somehow this guy gets it done and he wins. But he's not going to be in a, a, a prototypical NFL quarterback. And he was because of his processor. Somebody else told me that Joe Burrow's processor is Tom Brady's processor. Rapid fire, <laughs> very quick, always making the right read in real time. And that's what separates him from everybody else. Do you buy that or is there something else going on? No, just think, just think about what I said. So where do you get all of these reps? You're in a film room, you're around all these quarterbacks, and you're hearing the coach repeat this stuff over and over again, right? Then when you go to practice, you're on the scout team going against the first-team defense. You follow me? So you're playing against your Denzel Wars. You're playing against all of those defensive backs that came out of Ohio State for the last four or five years. These are the people that you're competing with at practice. You feel where I'm coming from? And so as he's doing this, he has to become getting – he has to be getting better. He goes to LSU. He has to be getting better. There, there's another factor that plays into this. When you're the number one pick or you're the guy to go to LSU and they've brought you from Ohio State – there's no pressure to feel like, hey, man, I have to succeed. You're, like, settled in. It's like the it's like the running back who has to switch time with another guy. And what ends up happening is he's trying to make a big play just to get uh, – or just to justify why he should be on the field. In comparison, he said, hey, man, you want to get 20 carries and, you know, just, just go ahead and play your game. And I think Joe Burrows, he's created a situation for himself leaving um, Ohio State, going to LSU, and then you create the grace period for yourself when you get to the NFL – and I just say it like this, uh, and just I, I hate to bring it back to myself, but it is myself. There's a lot of guys who, is a lot, who are a lot more talented, right? And with other guys being talented, they just didn't understand the game. And one of my biggest things that separated me from other guys was uh, understanding the game. If you go back and you look at some of the people who, were, who, who ended up being premier athletes at Ohio State, when these guys got to campus, they didn't understand the game. And so for me, Joe Burrow's probably understanding that he probably wasn't a great scrambler. Uh, he probably didn't, uh, from from a, from an attribute standpoint, stack up to the, the guys who were there, Dwayne Haskins and those other guys who were uh, at Ohio State. You have to find what is your competitive advantage. Your competitive advantage is when I walk to the line, do I understand where the ball is going, right? All the great quarterbacks know what defensive front am I looking at, where is the ball going, or do I have a reasonable assumption of where it can go, and if I have these other variables, can I get the ball out quick? And then – that's the stuff you're repping every practice. That's what makes you great. And and then if you put the fact that, hey, I have a skill set, you know, where I can drop back, I can I, I can get the ball in, in certain windows that somebody else couldn't. And I just think that's what it is. But, you know, that can go to the argument of, you know, should kids come out early and, and you know, go to the NFL or can, can some guy stay and develop? And I just think that, you know, I don't know how old he is, but I would imagine if you spent five years in college, you're a little bit older than other people. But I think all of that development work, you know, helped him. And maybe for maybe for other positions, it may be different. But for quarterbacks, I think if you don't have the, the ability to make very sound decisions and a super intense and, and, and manipulating look from defenses and people running around and masking coverages, you know, you can't be great. But he's, you know, he's obviously figured that out. You know, Maurice, um, you said something a, a couple of minutes ago. You talked about, you know, kind of the, the thought pro the thought process with the same with the same old Browns type situation. Um, I, I think that for me, I'm, I'm a little apprehensive and I don't want it to get to this point. I can go back and look and say that, you know, for a while, the Browns never got players like Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham Jr., right? Um, mm -hmm. They never were even in contention for those guys. Then you got a guy like Kareem Hunt. 
My thing <laughs> is the way that those guys left, right? And then they go other places and they're successful. And then when I saw Kareem Hunt was on on a, on the block, for me, I just felt like I didn't want to get back to a place where the perception of with, with other free agents, with other players is Cleveland is just a place you come to end your career or cash checks and not really win. For a three to four year period, it seemed like Cleveland was a destination place where people thought it was an upstart place to go play. My thing is, I I don't want it to get to a point where now it becomes, well, if you go to Cleveland, you ain't going to get the ball. <laughs> if you go to Cleveland, they ain't going to put you in a position to make no plays. And I think it's very important that as you get Deshaun Watson in here, you still are a place where you 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 can appeal to younger players and players will play hard. Um, do you think that that that's that could be an issue if they can't figure out a way to get their playmakers the ball that they already have right now? Yeah, I mean that's the, that to me that's what it feels like the reputation has turned into. Um, you know, you, you bring in these high-profile notable guys who you like. I, I guess on paper and in your imagination, you would think to yourself like, man, how old? How, how did Odell or Jarvis Landry, how couldn't these guys succeed? How couldn't you succeed with Kareem out in the backfield, right? At some point, and, and this is like, I, I don't know, I'm just a little bit more ruthless. At some point, it, it, it isn't the guys. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes coaches are good people. They're charismatic. They're, they're people you invite over to a barbecue and you hug them and you walk them to a podium. But at some point, my man, like at some point, the, the person who's driving that train, the person who's making that decisions, you're not getting it done and I don't want to tank the franchise just just as much as, you know, one coach isn't bigger than the team, one player isn't bigger than the team. I would have to put somebody in a seat who, who who's driving the Browns, who's driving a different conversation, who's using all this firepower we have, who's setting the table basically for Deshaun Watson to come back and to build upon. Uh, but look, even the nature of the conversation we're having, like this is not even midway through the season and we're talking about this. You know what I mean? It's just like a, uh, it's the loser atmosphere again. It's these conversations where – we should be talking about winning and who do you get the ball and how many touches does Kareem Hunt have on a, on a consistent basis. And I know you can't get everybody the ball um, every game, but it just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem what what, what was expected isn't what we're seeing uh, now. And I think y'all, y'all said the same thing prior to me coming on about Denzel Ward, like what everybody expected out of the defense. You remember me, go back to my, uh, my interviews talking about you know, I wish that we were um, – I, I was so gung-ho about the Browns' defense, and I was so yeah. happy and, and so elated. Uh, but I don't feel that way anymore. And a lot of that stuff just comes to coaching, right? You, 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 like, you can take this back. This is not um, – this is a specialized to the Browns, right? You can have the same players but different coaches and get a totally different outcome. You know, Man, and that comes wild. from the, the, the coach having the ability to influence the player. And a player will, and I know this, this is like, I wish I had a better analogy, but the, the run through the wall mentality, right? Tom McDaniels, we, we, we both know him, right? Mm-hmm. This man was so invested into players. This is just on a high school level. I used to say to myself, there's nothing I wouldn't do for this dude. My running back coach, there's nothing I wouldn't do for this dude. Same thing with Jim Trestle. There's nothing I wouldn't do with this dude, right? So all that happened. I go to prison. I come out of prison. There was this guy named Bart Andrews, right? And God, rest, God bless him. I don't say rest his soul because he's not passed away. But God bless him, but he couldn't move men to to save his life. You know, what I mean, he he was he was a guy, and he, he was so he was so big on I'm going to call my plays, and, and and it was like this forceful nature of where he was trying to influence players, and it just wasn't me. This was just through the team, and it would always be like this blaming mentality towards other guys, like oh, it's, it's these guys' fault, it's that guy's fault, and like a loser mentality. And so I don't know those guys 
but I've been around enough people within business, within sports, within everything that I can go to Browns practice for one or two days and you can see who's leading that campaign. And just because somebody's an offensive coordinator or a head coach uh, of a professional team doesn't mean that they may be equipped to lead those guys. That's Boy. all I'm saying. Yeah, but th- no, there, there's no reason. Yeah, there's no reason you have all of this talent, literally all of this talent right down the street, and you don't have a better outcome than what it is. There's no reason that we can sit here and say you have two of the better running backs in the National Football League, and we understand football is a game of, of matchups, and you, you don't figure out how to get these guys the ball. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know. Um, it becomes frustrating. It would be the same thing if, like, you know, in Columbus, they're winning now, right? They, uh, Ohio State has to go to Penn State this week, and, you know, they'll test their medal on the road. But you don't get all of these five-star recruits here in town um, and you not win or you not beat people. But I feel the same way about the Browns. You know, that's my that's my two cents. No, that makes perfect sense, and I couldn't agree more. Um, you, you know, you, you always wonder what could this group of players do with another coach, and it's, uh, it's, it's maddening sometimes. Before we let you go, Maurice, we had Jim Tressel on earlier this week, and, um, <laughs> and he brought, I don't know if you saw it, but he brought your name up, but there was a, there was a <coughs> clip that we really wanted to play for you and get your reaction to it. Um, it gives Maurice Claret high praise, so pay attention to this clip from Jim Tressel, and we'll ask you, ask you about it on the other side. Guys? Okay. Maurice, just an extraordinary talent, uh, made a huge impact on Ohio State football. One could argue that him coming to Ohio State uh, at the beginning of this century might have been the single most important thing that turned the the uh, fortunes of Ohio State football uh, where it is today. That if you look at the, the seasons from this century, the Buckeyes have always been in the conversation. And uh, his coming to Ohio State and the different team made might have arguably been as important as anything. Pretty high praise, Maurice. What, 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 do, you, what do you have to say about that? Oh, I agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, he's not wrong. I was in Columbus covering the Buckeyes from 93 to 98, and though personally I love John Cooper, uh, the program just couldn't get over that Michigan hump, and, and I think Jim's um, – accepting the job at Ohio State and in particular you playing your freshman year there and, and winning a national championship like that's where it all began in this in this modern domination yeah and I, and I, I said I said it jokingly but I was I was being serious uh, but there's a lot that goes into all these teams right and there, there may be a sense of like confidence but then also like humility in what I'm talking about um, Remember, I told you all you need like a you need like a disruptive individual on any team, right? right? And you need somebody to challenge current talent. You need somebody to challenge your teammates. You need somebody to be brave. You need somebody to uh, speak of the unachievable, and you need somebody to um, basically outwork everybody, right? And all of those things at that moment in the realm of football, we're not talking about the maturity as a man, like just because I didn't have enough life experiences, but for all those things with the sport, I provided that. And I was aware of that at 18 years old, right? And so um, I was just, I was testing people. I was testing other teammates. I was testing Miami. I was testing Michigan. I was testing our own football players. I was testing who thought they were good. I was telling guys that they were lazy. I was playing on scout team. And so I was doing it all with the purpose of trying to get better, but to have so much pride, right? Because I remember I went to the national championship, or not the national championship, the Army Army All-American game, and I would get so tired of these guys from Texas just having so much pride in Texas football, and they just disregarded Ohio like it was just like this farm nation 
that that nothing special <laughs> came out of. And um, yeah, we we came down and and we played. Um, and, you know, a lot of stuff has happened since then. But one thing you see, you know, I wear it with pride. One thing I can say is that in a moment in time, I gave everything I had. I contributed to a place uh, from a, from an athletic standpoint and the profile of the university race. I can I can say that, and I'm aware of that. And I wish that we went on and we did some more, but where, where it started then, and then you have, you know, those guys, um, you know, bringing in better recruits and, and bringing all those guys in from uh, Glenville and people being happy about staying in the state and people wanting to play here and this being a place. And then obviously, you know, they brought Urban in after and did one another one and, and where it's at now. But just like anything else, everybody on this show was or is a part of something special. Even when I see this, uh, just to see where this show has grown to uh, basically from where we started. And I was like, wow, it's like, it kind of looks cool. And it's always in the feed and I'll follow uh, everybody individually a little bit more. Like you never know where stuff is going to go. And I'm just happy I played a role in, you know, what Ohio State is today. No, you certainly did. Maurice, thanks so much for mm-hmm. coming on. We appreciate it. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the game Monday night. We'll have you back next week to talk about it. Hopefully we're talking See about a Maurice. team yeah. that's Blue three safety. and five and still alive and not two and six and <laughs> six feet under. Uh, Maurice, thanks again. Right. Always, always great to have you All on. Right. And I love this pivot. We go from one Ohio State running back uh, to another. Robert Smith joining the program now. Robert, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm guessing you did get to hear Coach Tressel's comments and then uh, Maurice's response to that. What's your take on all of that? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, you know, Maurice and, and Coach Tressel coming in, you know, kind of certainly changed the uh, direction of the program. And, you know, I love John Cooper, and I think he did great things. But, you know, sometimes a different voice is needed. And I think that uh, with Coach Tressel coming in and uh, Maurice coming in and the way that the program changed, you know, the results speak for itself. And for those who think, like, I think that some people think, well, no matter who the coach is, Ohio State's going to be great. But, like, and maybe it's not an exact apples-to-apples apples comparison, but Nebraska was a great program at one point. Mm-hmm. Miami certainly was a great program. And look where those programs are. So, even Notre Dame, you know, they haven't fallen like those programs, but they're not considered super elite anymore like Ohio State. So, no matter how big and good a program was, it, it doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever. It's not always on autopilot. Yeah. yeah. No, you, you really can't just roll players out and expect to be great. Uh, you know, you have to pull the greatness out of players. You have to be able to develop players. It isn't just the number of four- and five-star recruits you get. It's how you develop those players. And more importantly, I think, how those players play together. Because everybody's good. Well, maybe not everybody's good, but there are a lot of good teams out there. And when it comes to crunch time and uh, when you need to be at your absolute best, you have to be prepared for that. I think that's, you know, kind of a, a segue into what Ohio State is this season and kind of what we've seen. And, you know, I think this game uh, against Penn State this weekend, we're going to find out a lot more, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Robert, Maurice was just talking about uh, something that kind of got my attention about sort of being the antithesis in the locker room or, the, or that guy that sort of pushes back a little bit. And I remember Kobe talking about that when he was his last trip into Cleveland when he was still playing and he thought Kyrie was sort of that guy on the Cavs. Draymond is that guy on Golden State. I'm using basketball references, but it applies to football. Have you played with guys like that in your career, guys who sort of keep everyone on edge and challenge the, challenge the rules a little bit? And I don't know how closely of attention you've played cl- close to the Browns. Do they have that guy at all anywhere on the roster, do you think? 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Uh, I don't know who that guy is in the locker room. You know, it's not always, uh, you know, the quarterback. It's not always, you know, just the uh, top linebacker, not the guy, just the green dot, the guy receiving plays. I mean, uh, you know, maybe it's a guy like Miles Garrett, um, you know, that uh, apparently, uh, you know, he he's a, can, can be a quiet guy at times, but sometimes those guys are, are guys leading by example, just showing with tempo, not just on game day, but during the course of the week, uh, how you play in practice, how you prepare, how you watch film, all of those things can be examples and can help pull other people along. You know, Robert, you played, I, I was just watching this uh, the other day. You know, I don't be sleeping. I just be up ro- running around. My wife be like, <laughs> she'd be just be popping up on me. She'd be like, what are you doing? I, you know, I don't sleep. Now, I was in I was in my time machine in YouTube and I watched a whole Brian Billick seminar. Now, Brian Billick, he he knew his stuff. Like yeah. and when and, and when y'all played, I think it was when the ninety eight team, you had uh obviously Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Jake Reed, you had you how yourself, how was Brian Billick getting you guys to football and what was the process of the game plan? Because here we got pieces. We got Amari Cooper. We got uh, Chubb. We got Hunt. We got some things we work with, but it always seems like we can't get everybody fed and everybody is, is ready to go. Hell, Chris Carter was still around. He, yeah, Chris Carter. They, they, was, they was putting up points. How was your, how, what was it like when Brian Billick was doing that? I don't compare the Browns receivers to Chris Carter ready. No, but the question is a good one because there's one football and you got a lot don't, of guys that want it. Right, and you got Randy Moss, Prime Moss, right? Yeah. Hey, don't uh, don't forget about Jake Reed. I Jake mean, Reed it, was it, cold. Jeez, it, the it, it was unfair, and I remember on on draft day, you know, in in between meetings, you know, you would go and you'd sit and you'd watch ESPN and the players' lounge and things like that. And I remember seeing the highlight films of Randy Moss, you know, for when he was playing for Marshall, all the big touchdowns and. When on draft day, when he slipped to us at number 21, I was just like, this is just going to be unfair. But go back a little bit on Brian. When I was a rookie, Jack Burns was the offensive coordinator for like the first two or three games and got fired. And I didn't even know coaches got fired during the season. So here I am as a rookie. I'm like, what is this, man? People get fired during the season? Um, but Brian Billick became the offensive coordinator. And the thing that Brian – emphasized in his very first meeting with us is that everybody's going to have a voice and it's not just one guy saying what it is that we should be doing it is a collaborative effort but it's going to take everybody contributing again not just on game day but throughout the course of the week it's contributing to the game plan it's watching film it's understanding the other team's tendencies and your tendencies so that you can try and put the best product on game day. And I think Brian was really good at that. And we had a lot of different voices, a lot of different quarterbacks. I started with Jim McMahon at quarterback. Then we went to Warren Moon. We had Sean Salisbury in there for a time. 
Then we had uh, Brad Johnson. Then we had Randall Cunningham. Then we had Jeff George. Then we had Dante Culpepper. This is eight years. So you talk about the Browns and what they have faced over the year and all the different uh, quarterbacks and coordinators. We had a lot of change, too, but I think what stayed consistent was those voices in the locker room on the defensive side of the ball. You, you know, you had Johnny Randall early in my career. You know, you had guys like Chris Dolman, Eddie McDaniel at linebacker. And then on the offensive side, you had Randall McDaniel at that guard spot. You had Chris Carter, uh, Jake Reed, myself. Uh, you know, guys hold each other accountable. And it, you know, the, the, the phrase is that you need to listen to the message not necessarily the tone of the message, and you have to be comfortable getting uncomfortable, hearing the things that you need to hear. Because you can't, it's not always, hey, you did a great job. Sometimes, you know what, you didn't do it. You know, it's easy to say you wanna win, it's much more difficult to do all the things that it takes to win throughout the course of the week and on game day. I love that phrase, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And as I'm thinking about that situation and maybe Comparing it to what's going on with the Browns, yeah. it look, doesn't look like anybody's yeah. uncomfortable. Anybody. By, by the way, before we move back to the Browns, real quick, because he brought up the time with Minnesota, I'm trying to think because I heard Rich Gannon was. You played with Rich Gannon in Minnesota, right? Didn't you, Robert? Or, or well, my Rich, timeline? Rich was there. Rich was there in camp when I got there as a rookie, and he got traded. And okay. honestly, I didn't even know he got. I didn't even know he got traded. Like I wasn't reading the like. To me, I just thought he got cut, but he got traded. Like, That's I didn't right. Even know. <laughs> okay, so, so wait. You're, so what? Your, first, your rookie year was up 93, 92? 93, yeah. Right, okay. So, so uh, by the way. And, and, and just uh, just real quick. So, yeah. rookie, rookie mini camp, right? Like my very first time up in Minnesota after getting – well, the second time I was up there. Yeah. After I got drafted, but the first time with team activities. And I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the meeting room next to Roger Craig. And I'm just like, are wow. you kidding me? I'm yeah. like, I'm sitting, I'm sitting next to Roger Craig. But you know what? You know what your mentality's got to be like. This is this is unbelievable. I'm sitting next next to Roger Craig, but Roger Craig better get used to sitting on the sideline, right? Like, right. <laughs> that's like that's Roger like, Craig. <laughs> you, you respect you respect everybody that you play with, and you yeah. and and you try and help your teammates get better. But you better have the attitude that I'm gonna I'm gonna take everybody's job up in this play. The reason I brought up Rich Gannon is because I just happened to hear him yesterday uh, uh, talk about how the, in the 92 season, I guess it was, which was Denny Green's first year in Minnesota, he was the starter and he got off to a good start and then he got benched. And he said Dennis Green never told them why he got benched. He didn't understand it because they had a winning record and they were playing well. He was going off on Dennis Green yesterday. He said he had never talked about this in 30 years. Did you know any of that from the fallout the next year or was that kind of already gone no no it, it was old and actually i heard that too i was listening to him on uh, nfl radio yesterday on sirius and i heard that same story yeah. it was the first time that i had heard any of that stuff and you know you got to think about what what it's like when you're a rookie like you got those blinders right, on, right, man. Right. like i'm thinking about what i got to do to get ready to go and play the game i'm not thinking about all these other things and it's certainly not something that's discussed uh, in the locker room in an open way, uh, you know, those kind of conversations are happening in the quarterback room. This is kind of off the, off the beaten trail, but I have to ask, you, you live in Minnesota. Do I, you, live in, I, I live in Dallas. Well, well, well you, you played in Minnesota, okay. okay. Do you have any print stories 
Do you have any print stories in which you <laughs> were around one of the greatest electrifying prints, or do you know any great stories of your teammates or just in the community with prints? Yeah, like, yeah and, and first of all, I'm like my favorite all-time artist. Not even, I mean, it's it's really not even close. Um, and the first thing I did when I got up there was like, hey, can we go to Paisley Park, right? Like, I wanted to go to Paisley Park. <laughs> and I actually just had my first trip to Paisley Park, believe it or not, with my kids uh, this summer. So it was wow. the first time that I had actually gone there. And, like, he was a big uh, Vikings fan and, you know, made uh, videos and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I just – I heard too many bad stories. There were guys who were like, yeah, you know, he'd ask us to come out and he was going to perform, you know, like – two in the morning and didn't show up until four in the morning or five in the morning. You know, you know, none of that. I didn't hear any of the like Dave Chappelle basketball stories. That's a good one. That, or him, him making pancakes, you know, yeah. like, he did him, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I never, I never stuck around just for that reason. So I never did end up meeting him. Robert, last thing before we let you go, I know you were on the call last week of the Bengals and Falcons. It was funny. What's the name of your play-by-play guy? I can't think of his name right now. Brandon Gogan. Okay, so I'm watching. You know, I was going back. I, I was unbelievably going for a while going back and forth between the Browns and the Bengals game in the first half. And then at the end of halftime, I watched the full Browns second half. And then I watched them. Then we did our post-game show. And then I watched the full Bengals yeah. second half after that. It was kind of insane. But uh, it was funny to me that your play-by-play guy, Brandon, he was like, when the Falcons scored, that, that they got the one long touchdown, and then there was the kick return, and then they, they got a field goal with like two seconds left. And he's like, the Falcons might be right back in this game. And I'm like, yeah, no. He's just trying to get people to watch. <laughs> they, they you say what you have to say. Yeah, right. That was good. That was good. But uh, what was your, your observations from that game and, and, and the matchup with the Browns this week? Well, first of all, on the offensive side of the ball, we talked about this in the open, actually, because uh, everybody talks about Jamar Chase, and for good reason, he's a tremendous talent. But with T. Higgins, and I think more importantly, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd is is a beast, and he's a guy that I said, you need to watch in this game, and he made me look smart. He had the long touchdown uh, yeah. reception early in that one. It's a dangerous receiving core, and remember, this is an offensive line. Four new starters from a year ago, First two games this year, gave up seven sacks and then six sacks, and they've been pretty good since then. Now, they did give up three sacks a week ago, but I think the number of times that they threw combined with the uh, amount of pressure uh, that Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator for Atlanta, brought, they were able to get home a decent amount. But uh, look, you look at the results, 481 yards. I mean, just Crazy. absolutely insane. So you have to take chances because if you sit back, Especially if you sit back in zones all day long and Joe Burrow has time, it, it's it, it's good night. So you, you, you better hope that uh, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney can get some pressure because you have got to get Joe Burrow. You've got to get that ball out of his hands quickly because if he has time, he will cut you up on the back end. Now, defensively, it's not talked about enough. And I, I don't know what the exact number is now. But it's been some insane amount of time since they've given up points, points in the second half, not giving, not giving up touchdowns at all in the second half. And Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator there for Cincinnati, he likes to hold back calls until the second half. So he is giving things in the second half 
that teams have not seen for the entire game. Because he's and it smart. Has worked tremendously. And I got to tell you, like, I, hey, I, I believe Brandon. Like, the flow of the game, it seemed like Atlanta was finding their groove. Remember, this is a team in, in, uh, in Atlanta – they beat the 49ers the week before, right? Sure. Like, yeah. they were no joke. Their run game has been good. And, you know, I thought the, the pass game was starting to get going with Marcus Mariota and the talent that he has. But the defense for, for the Bengals, it's much better than people know. Robert, before we let you go, big one for Ohio State this week. That's the first time we've been able to say that this year since the opener against Notre Dame. What are your thoughts? Well, again, I think the defensive side of the ball is going to be a real challenge. You look at what Penn State was able to do. Oh, Robert froze oh, up. Well, I think we lost him. We lost him. Yeah, he froze up. All right. Do you want to try to get him back? No, we got to or... Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.